Praise God. Praise God. Aren't you glad he touched you? Thank you. You may be seated this morning. I'm glad he touched us. Amen. Hey, you know, something else that's going on good, too, is choir practice on Wednesday night at 7. If you guys want to come, you should come. We're having a good time, and we're going to sing some songs at Easter, and um, uh, two of them, and then we're going to sing some, practice some, some songs after that. So um, you're more than welcome to come and join us. We have a lot of fun. Um, Jackie has given us all a little bit of whiteout, and we white out those black dots so we don't have to sing them. Or, no, I do that, don't I? You don't do that. Uh, I, I always say, uh, it's really funny, I always end up singing, I'm done, and there's still like two pages. they got to sing yet, you know, one of them's like that anyways, I'll tell you, it's a lot of fun. Well, i got to tell you, um, God put this message that I have on, on my heart uh, several months ago, and I actually sent the outline to Stacy and was going to share this one Sunday, and uh, it was obvious I wasn't supposed to do it because what I had in place was an hour, probably an hour and 45 minutes. A little bit long, huh? <laughs> I would have gotten bored. So you know what I've done? I've taken that sermon. I've taken that sermon because I think God wants me to share what he's put on my heart. I've taken that sermon and made it three weeks. So for the next three weeks, we're going to hear this sermon. I've broken it into three, play, three kind of phases, and we'll see how it goes, okay? But it's all about um, um, Jesus and this um, Lenten season, and it's about literally the first words on the cross, uh, Father, forgive them. I, I, I often think about all the people, well, even like Brian and Barb, even though they come back to a flooded basement, you guys had a great time on vacation, didn't you? I know you forgot about it already, but no, but I bet you had a great time. You know, everybody's been going away. You know, uh, Jim and, uh, and Patty have been, or Joe and Patty have been going like crazy to see the kids and everything and going out and seeing Nancy and Carla and all. Just great times, aren't they, you know? And then and I, I don't know if Niall and Sharon are coming back, <laughs> but, but they've been going a long stinking time, haven't they? Enjoying life too, too good. Well, I, I guess I was sitting around thinking about that. And, um, and you have to understand, most pastors, I wish I would have been here last week to see Bill McFadden. I haven't seen him for a long time. And I, gosh, I heard he was here and I thought, oh, shoot. But anyways, uh, uh, we're sitting around and as we're talking about these things, you guys are going to get what I'm dealing with. Okay? So I thought to myself, well, I've been on a trip for a long time probably about 50 years, and I go on the same trip maybe four or five times a day. You guys probably don't do this, but I do, okay? And it's a guilt trip. Have you guys all been on a guilt trip? Anybody been on a guilt trip lately? I was on one yesterday, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was on one this morning, as a matter of fact, now that I think about it. it it's, uh, guilt trips are um, um, crazy trips, aren't they? They, just, they come at, at times you don't even expect them to be there. And then when you expect them to be gone, they're not gone because somebody else reminds you about the guilt, you know. It's, um, it's a terrible issue. But what I want to say to you in these next three, three weeks is that God has not designed us. I want you to know this. If you don't hear anything today, here's the, the whole theme of this thing. God, because of his son, Jesus Christ, has not designed us to live with guilt. 
It's not in our makeup. It's not something that we're supposed to do, but yet we do it. God keeps telling us, I have forgiven you for everything that you have done. And then what does he say? I've thrown it into the ocean, to the deepest part of the ocean. I'm never going there and picking it back up. It's gone as far as the east is from the west. And I think, I think, and the big ships go by it every once in a while, they see this great big sign out there that says no fishing. And that's where God dropped all these guilt things that we hang on to. Our problem is, is we go out there, not the big ships, we go out in that little dinghy, go out there and, and start fishing and get that back. You know? Are you all with me? You know what I'm saying? Know what I'm trying to say to you? Um, guilt is one of those things that causes nothing but the fears in our life and causes us to, to have struggles in our relationships and, and physically it just tears us apart. <sighs> A lot of people carry around guilt hoping that they're never found out. Found out what, they, what they're carrying inside of them um, because when, they, when people find out things, um, things aren't the same as they used to be. You know, there, there's always that, that thing looming around you. Um, do you guys remember that uh, Arthur Cannon, Conan Doyle, the um, oh, Shakespeare writer? He was, um, he was a character, I guess. And one time he was talking, they were talking about guilt and everything that was going on. And he thought, well, I, I know how to get rid of guilt. So he wrote 50 of his closest friends an anonymous letter. Yeah, an anonymous letter. And it said this, all has been found out, leave immediately. <laughs> and he didn't sign it. Just send it to all those people in, in England. Within two days, 25 people left England because of their guilt and afraid of being found out. All has been found out. Flee at once, he says. Uh, and worse than that, um, when we carry this guilt around, not only being found out, but we're, we're afraid that we'll get rejected. You know, if people really knew the things that I'm holding on to, the things that I'm guilty for, if people knew those things, they would, uh, they would not be my friend anymore. Hmm? I'm talking about people that, you know, if my wife only knew what I did, if my kids only knew, if my boss only knew, you know, if, uh, if uh, people that I hang around with knew all that I am guilty of, they wouldn't hang around me anyway, anymore. There's, we'd be rejected. If people in church really knew what was going on in my life, they wouldn't be so friendly with me. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay. We're afraid to be found out and we're afraid to um, be rejected. And I think also... Um, we're afraid that we might get some kind of retaliation, you know, um, especially at work. If they knew what we did there, maybe I wouldn't have the job. I'd, I'd be in a lot more trouble than I'm already in. And um, it, it just brings back um, terrible thoughts. But worse than all of them, I think, is, is when we have this guilt that we're dealing with, we're afraid of being judged, aren't we? Afraid of being judged by other people, but mostly by God. We're afraid that God's going to look at us and say, oh boy, oh boy, you guys, I, you know, that's it. And God wants you to know that that would never happen. I think God wants us to understand that, that there is no judgment that he is given, giving against us today, if, especially if we know him. If we know him as our Lord and Savior and have asked him to come into our life, there's no judgment. He throws it away, friends. He gets rid of it. We don't, but he does. And that all comes about, uh, uh, 
you write this down if you want to or put it in your heart. It, it comes from um, Luke chapter 23, you know, where we see Jesus being taken to Golgotha. And, and I just, I love the story because if you listen to the story as he's on his way, you know, there's these ladies crying and weeping over the fact that he's going through this suffering and that there's a, a cross waiting for him to die on. And, and out of his concern for them, he looks at them and says, oh, don't, don't weep over me. Be concerned for your own soul, you know, Can, be concerned for you. And I thought that that's who he is in our lives. In the midst of everything going on in his life, he's looking at somebody else. But he gets there to the cross, and, and you know the story. You know, he is hung up there, and two thieves, on, one on his side. And as he's put up there, you know, the first words that he speaks from that cross is he looks down at all the people who are mocking him and spitting on him and, and uh, chastising him. You know, if you're the king come on down, you know. Um, if you are who you say you are, get off that cross. But he looks at everybody at that time and, he's, and he looks at us today, all 2,000 years later, and he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. My goodness. My goodness. Um, a crazy thing. And then they mock him even the more, as you know, the scripture. And, um, and tell him to come on down. But you and I know that Jesus couldn't come off that cross. He had to stay there. In John 13, and we hear him saying he, he turned his face to Jerusalem to die there. That's when Peter said, no, 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 you're not going to do it. But, but he had to go and do it so that you and I, are you ready, don't have to deal with guilt in our lives. He's taken that from us. We can have a clear conscience. <laughs> we don't need to carry this stuff around, but yet we do. And I think it's because we don't understand, Father, forgive them. For we don't know what we're doing. Mm, they don't know what they're doing, he says. So I want to look at um, three things this morning and um, see if we can't make heads or tails out of this, Father, forgive them and then really digest it next week and see what Jesus says, how we should handle our guilt, and then see how he does it the third week. I think, in all honesty, I'm going to mention three things, but if we sit down and was honest with each other, we all handle guilt in a different way. You know, we all handle this guilt that we carry around, and... Um, by the way, I, should, I don't want to say this lightly, but it's, if you don't have any guilt in your life right now, come see me, will you? I can help you. There's some good guilt that we should have, isn't there? Good guilt of, of things that we need to do in our lives. Um, for example, I, oh gosh, I guess I'm going to tell you this whether you want to hear it or not. I was with a bunch of folks the other day, pastors, and um, we're talking about the problem of the church right now, the split that is being postponed again, and, and um, a lot of churches are already leaving. They're not waiting until 24. And uh, something was said, and, and I, um, I have this problem that my brain is in gear long before, or my tongue is in gear long before my brain thinks, Right? And I, I just looked at him and I said, well, I'm glad I'm not involved in that anymore. 
because I'm done, you know. I, I'm retired, right? And I, I just told him, I said, I don't have anything to do with it. And then the guilt overwhelmed me. What a dumb thing to say. What a dumb thing to say. What a dumb thing to think. And then what a dumb thing to say to f- people that I care for immensely that are going through the anxiety of this. And I thought, okay. So I said to them, oh, I, I didn't mean that. But it's already out, isn't it? I did mean it. And I said, no, forgive me, and I asked God to forgive me right away. It's, it's those things that, that we, whether we intentionally mean to do it or, or whatever, we all have guilt and we handle it differently. And I'm going to try to bring up three ways that I think um, we, we do this this morning. So hang on, hang on, and let's see if we can't do it. Um, and the forgiveness is that we need to grab a hold of that I hope we grab a hold of after this three weeks or during this three weeks is that uh, forgiveness is nothing but God's love. Amen? Not our response, his response. So let me give you the first thing that we do. As Christians, as people who know Jesus Christ, we do our best to bury, bury our guilt. That's in Psalm 32. We'll go there in a minute. But uh, uh, I want you to know that when we try to bury our guilt, I actually, I actually said um, one time that uh, we, um, we have problems with our guilt and, and family issues, and we don't talk about them, so we sweep it under the carpet. And I was in this house where guilt was all over the place, and I looked on the carpet floor in their house, and I said, well, what's all those bumps? There wasn't any bumps, but there was a whole bunch of bumps all over the place in my vision, you know. And I said to the, to the father, I said, what's all those bumps in there? And he says, I don't know. I don't see them. And I said, well, I do. It's, it's what you guys are fighting over, and you just keep sweeping it under the rugs. And they thought, oh, gosh. So next time I came... <laughs> The mother had wiped all that off. She scrubbed the floor, did everything, got the rug up, and it was hardwood floors. You know? <laughs> I said, oh, I still see the bumps. But burying our guilt doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It comes about in the most opportune times, and it comes about in the most inconvenient times. And, and it's always there. It pops up. It, it's sort of like Halloween. You know that movie Halloween? I think I quit watching after the third one because I knew he was always going to come back. You know? And I thought, the heck with that. I don't want to see anymore. And it kept getting grosser and grosser too, didn't it? So I didn't watch any more of that. But that's what I'm talking about. Guilt just keeps coming back and it, and it haunts us and it causes us to have that anxiety that we just don't need, but yet it's there. Look at Psalm 32 with me. It's in verse 3 through 5. When, when I refused to, to confess my sins, my body wasted away. David said, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. What he was saying there is, I knew I was a sinner and you you didn't let me forget. You, you know, when you talk to somebody that's got guilt, and you don't have to tell them they have it. Amen? We all know we have it. Listen to what he says. My strength through this time evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I like this. As a last resort, finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my problems, my rebellion to the Lord. 
The moment we do that, this is where we need to grab a hold of. This is, helps us understand, Father, forgive them. They don't know what to do. The moment I ask you to forgive me, Lord God, you forgave me and all my guilt is gone. Probably until five minutes later or something, you know. But for that moment, we find that freedom. When we finally come to God and say, I need you. It's like we come to God and think that he doesn't understand what we're talking about. Over these past 40 years, people have walked into my office and, and one of their opening lines is, is, I know you've never heard this problem before. And I look at them and I say, sit down, I'm sure I've heard it. And not too many people surprised me. A couple did, but not too many people. That's, I, I think somebody should write a book. Somebody should write a book of one-line statements that they will never hear God say. I think it'd be a very short book, but, but uh, I, I'm thinking well, on one page you'd say, you, you'd hear, we would never hear God say, oh, really? <laughs> I don't think God ever says, oh, really. I think he's dealt with all the guilt in the world, and I don't think he needs to worry about, oh, gosh, I didn't ever hear that before. The next page probably would be, um, I never knew that. Don't we do that? We go, we go to God and say, I got something you've not heard, brother. Let me tell you about what happened. <laughs> uh, I think the third page might be, oh gosh, I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> you got one? Anybody got one? That you never hear God say? You probably would never say, oh shoot. God. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> uh, the thing that helps us understand what I'm trying to say to you, I think what God is trying to say to us today, and Father, forgive them. When we come to God and confess to him our, our weaknesses, our sins, our, our guilt, it's really not for his benefit. Amen? He already knows it. It's not for his benefit. You know, when we go, as you hear the psalmist say, and my guilt was away when I finally asked him to forgive me, it's for our benefit. It helps us clean our souls out, clean, our, clean our, our memories out, our heart out, clean out all the things that are dragging us down. Dragging us down and we can't get out of it. We bury our guilt. We bury our guilt by being minimizers. You know what I mean by being minimizers? Um, it was no big deal what I did. You know what I mean? I, I mean, you know, it was nothing. It happened like 20 years ago. It wasn't a big deal. It happened yesterday. You know, it wasn't a big deal. If it wasn't a big deal, why are we still carrying it around? Minimizing doesn't work when we try to bury our stuff, does it? Hmm. But sometimes... What's even worse than minimizing it is we rationalize it. Everybody else is doing it, so why can't I do it? It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Amen? Hmm. Rationalizing doesn't remove our guilt neither. And sometimes, besides being wanting to minimize it and rationalize it, we compromise. I feel bad about it, but it, you know, it wasn't really that bad. Uh, you say that after you've done it like the 20th time. There was a, I read one time there was a um, fortune cookie, 
a fortune cookie that said, commit a sin twice, commit a sin twice, and it seems like you don't have to worry about that sin anymore. That's, that's good advice, I think, for somebody. Maybe for an alcoholic or a drug addict or somebody's beating up their wife. You know, keep doing it. It'll get easier and easier. I suppose after you kill somebody 20 times, it doesn't matter. You know, it's okay. It's crazy thoughts, isn't it? Isn't that a crazy thought that we can rationalize and, and compromise and, and uh, minimize our guilt and it'll go away when it won't at all? When it won't at all. It literally, it's called hardening your heart. We harden our heart to uh, what God wants us not to do. My friends, let me just pause and say this. Um, just because we think it's normal doesn't make it right. Amen? Grab a hold of that and mull that over. We cannot bury our guilt. Let me give you the second one What I thought was something we need to look at today. We try to blame others. We try to blame others. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Proverbs 19, we'll go there in a minute. We try to blame others, and really, really, when, when I say this, when I say this, we need to understand it's not really our fault. It is somebody else's fault. Let me tell you whose fault it is, the reason we blame others. Are you, are you ready? It's God's fault. Oh, no, it is. Trust me. It's God's fault. Go back to Genesis chapter 3. Um, that was a tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> Go back to Genesis chapter 3, and you'll see what I'm talking about when, when Adam is hiding from God. And God says, Adam, what are you hiding for? Did you eat from that tree I told you not to eat from? Yeah, I did. But listen to what Adam says. It's not my fault. It's that floozy. You know, we had a good relationship until you brought her along. Yeah, that's what Adam was saying. Do you remember the story? No, I, I, she brought it to me, told me to eat it, and I ate it. It's her fault, not mine. But if you listen to the story real close, he's blaming God. He says, God, you did it. You did it. And I'm blaming you for bringing that woman into my life and causing you and I to be separated. We all blame somebody. We're pros at it. You're a pro at blaming somebody else. I'm a pro at it. One of the things that one of the things that turn off a couple when I'm counseling with them and talking to them and how they deal with issues in their life, and I always say to the groom, if you're having a problem with your wife today, you're going to have a lot more problems with her. And I want to I always get, always ask them, and whose problem is it that you have a problem with her? And she said, they usually say it's hers. They don't get the point. And I've had them read Ephesians chapter 5. And I always look at them and say, no, it's not her fault. If you're having a problem with your wife, it's your fault. And the wife is gloating and saying, yeah. And then I look at the wife and say, now whose fault is it when you're having a problem with your fiancé here? His? I said, no. No, it's your problem. You have the problem. It's your fault. That's hard for us to understand, isn't it? 
If we're having a problem with somebody here in church and work with our grandchildren, no matter where it's at, it's their fault. Amen? Come on, let's be honest with it. It's not our fault, it's theirs. We blame others. It's easier to do that way. We, that way, we, I want to tell you, the more you blame others, the more guilt you have in your life. You need to know that. Every time we blame somebody, uh, we're blaming them for something that, that is our issue. Well, you know, you know, Pastor Floyd, you're just a pain in the neck. Worse than that, he's a pain in the back. And it just keeps getting lower and lower, doesn't it? You know? He's a pain, you know? Bill McFadden would tell you that too. Everywhere you go, people call and know that you're a pain in the butt. Oh, I said it, didn't I? <laughs> it's, a, it's amazing to me, it's amazing to me that we accuse everybody else and excuse ourselves. That's what we're a pro at. We're a pro at hiding from our guilt and, and blaming somebody else, hurling ugly things at someone else in our lives. Um, we do this, especially today in America. It's a terrible time that we blame everybody. Uh, I remember a, a breakthrough for me in my whole world of, of uh, sin and drugs. Uh, a healing came when a, when a pastor and I were talking, and he said, uh, he said, who do you blame for all this that you went through? And my first inclination was my parents. And I went to say my parents. I went to say that they were the blame. They, but you know, I, I thought about it. Never once did my mother have a gun to my head and said, put that needle in your arm. Never once did she ever do that. And I looked at my pastor friend and, and experienced a great amount of healing from God just in that short conversation when I said it was my fault. Listen to Proverbs chapter 19, verse 3. Some people ruin their lives by Floyd's stupid actions. <laughs> That's what it says, you know, to me. It says some people, Floyd, ruins his lives by being stupid. And then the question is, is, we all say it, don't we? Why, God? We all say that. No matter what we're going through, why God? So why does God always get blamed? Why does God always get blamed? Because we're, easy, we're professionals at taking our guilt and blaming it on somebody else, aren't we? Why me, God? You know, the golf, we went by the golf course the other day, and all of a sudden there's people out there, cars all over the place. And I said to Phyllis Ann, I said, oh, I bet you God's getting blamed for a lot out there. <laughs> Amen? I hear it all the time when I used to go out there. God, why? We ruin ourselves, our own, our own stupidity. We do things that causes us to have broken relationships. Um, no, they did it, Floyd. You're missing the whole point. No, I'm sorry. We break relationships. Paul says, as far as it is concerned for you, live in peace with everybody. Amen? I have a lot of guilt in that world. And let me give you the last one real quick. Oh, my Oh my. It's in Psalm 38, verses 4 through 6. Lastly, we beat ourselves up. 
Now, I always think of Martin Luther when I think of this, that we beat ourselves up. Martin Luther dealt with guilt and anxiety and felt he could never own up to being the follower that God wanted him to be. And he literally beat himself with, a, 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 what do you call it, thorns? Um, a rope with thorns on it and everything. Um, yeah, it, literally every day he would beat himself up with that because he didn't deserve what God was doing for him. And we're the same way. We become merry martyrs. It causes us to have illness and, and causes us to, to just literally beat ourselves up to the point that we get hospitalized. I remember many, many years ago, Barna, Barna and this was before this generation, Barna did a survey and talked with doctors and nurses and everybody and, and came away with this statistic. He said 50% of the people that are in a hospital today could get out tomorrow if they just do, deal with the guilt in their lives. That's causing the pain and the anxiety and the sickness that they have. When we, um, when we swallow, swallow our guilt and keep it there, our stomachs pay the price for it. Most of our lives, we're beating ourselves up from two things, resentment and guilt. Resentment because of what somebody else has done for, to us and guilt of what we've done to somebody else. The truth of it is, is most of the time when I know you guys don't have this problem, but I have a hard time getting up in the morning. And the reason that is a hard time is because I'm dealing with so much depression in my life. Mm. Because of guilt, of things. Things I did 50 years ago. Things I did yesterday. It's called depression. It happens. Everyday living is not, is not good. Listen to this in Psalm 38, verse 4 through 6. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a load it weighs me down because I was foolish. I bent over and bowed down. I am sad all the day long. I'm glad that I somewhat understand Father forgive them because if I didn't, I want to tell you I would quit. I would quit. I would be a quitter right away because I don't want to deal with all this stuff. You know, I don't want to deal with all the things that I have to deal with, alone, let alone deal with the things that are pushed on me. I don't want to deal with all that. We don't want to deal with that. And what happens is, is we become um, overwhelmed with our guilt so much that it weighs us down and we don't do anything. Amen? Do you know, do you know what I'm saying? I, I have seen this in people's lives, in people's lives who... Um, who in business and awe, Lord, just be with whatever that is, okay? Keep them safe. I've seen people in, in, in the, that were very talented, and then all of a sudden you see they're not doing anything that they were going to do simply because of the guilt in their life, and they thought they couldn't do it. I've seen it in church more than any place else because that's where I live. I've seen it in a church where people who have a certain gift that God wants them to use that they can't use because of the guilt that overwhelms them and they quit. They shut down. They shut down. My guilt has overwhelmed me. It's weighed me down to the point that I can't do anything that God wants me to do. And like Martin Luther and like us, the problem with bearing our guilt is our conscience doesn't know when to quit burying it. 
It just keeps digging a deeper and deeper hole so that we have to go farther down to get it and keep it. You see what I mean? We beat ourselves up for something that's happened in our family a long time ago. One little quick story. I think I told you about the time. Let me tell you again. About the time I was um, in the hospital and this woman came in and smiled at me and I smiled at her and and, uh, she sat down in a chair away from me and I was waiting on the patient to go to the surgery. And I, I went to walk by her and she looked up at me and she said, are you walking by me? So I stopped and said, no. <laughs> and she said, you don't know who I am, do you? And I said, no. She said, well, I'm your first cousin. And, and uh, I thought, oh, shoot. Shoot. So we were talking and she said, you should come to the um, Costello Stanley reunion. And I said, uh, really? Because uh, the last time we were, Adam, they... They fight. The Stanleys and Costellos have been fighting for like a hundred years and they're not going to quit. And, um, and she said to me without even hesitation, she said, you should come. We don't fight nearly as much. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah, we don't fight nearly as much. And I said, oh, I think I'm busy that weekend. <laughs> I'm telling you, friends. Let me share this with you just in thought and in closing. Um, I know you have other ways of dealing with guilt. But none of them work. Burying them, blaming others, or beating ourselves up does not work. We need to hear what God says to us from the cross of Calvary. Hey, Dad, forgive these guys. Because they just don't know what they're doing. And I think that entails us today. We just don't know what we're doing. We separate ourselves from God because we think God's not big enough to take care of this issue we're dealing with. And I want you to know today, I'm going to say it to you again, our bodies are designed to live without guilt. God wants us to live without guilt. Grab a hold of it, okay? Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you for this this somewhat introduction to what you want to say to us. But help us to understand we don't need to hear the rest of the story. Because you said, forgive them, Father, because they don't know what to do. Help us to grab a hold of that forgiveness, even right now in our lives, and experience that guilt-free that we should have. Even if it's only for five minutes, Lord, help us to have it so we know what it feels like and we can keep fostering that. Be with us in these days. Be with us in these days to be um, that shoulder that someone can come and talk to us about their guilt and help us to be your healing agent with them, our friends, our family, our loved ones. God, we pray this all in your son's name today and for his glory as we hear him say, forgive us. Forgive them, Lord. Forgive them. Thank you, Lord, today. We pray in Christ's name. Amen? Amen. Amen.